0: Hello and welcome to The Double Life. I'm John Booster and this week we head to Brooklyn, New York and sit down with Nicole from the band Airwaves. We discuss the process of songwriting, finding a purpose and a passion in what you love and how music can be a personal journey that can also be shared and enjoyed with others. Enjoy my inside look at one of my favorite artists. And before we begin, here's the song Waters off of the album, Dungeon Dots.
1: when I was about 14. And pretty shortly after I picked up the guitar, I was writing songs. And um, yeah, it's been a part of my life ever since. And I work with kids, teaching kids music as well. And I just recently finished a record. We actually finished recording a few days before quarantine. So I was really lucky that I got everything done at the studio. And then I put off mixing for a little while and then picked it up again in what month are we <laughs> We're in August and June. I started the mixing again and it's done now. I'm really excited about this album and
2: yeah.
0: Awesome. Right on. So the, um, I guess it was technically your second EP was Dungeon Dots, right?
1: Dungeon Dots was a full length full length Um, okay yeah I had an EP before that which I just found out somebody was asking me recently why it's not on Spotify so I have to figure out how to get that up there so I actually really like that EP it's five songs and there's I think there's a version of Lightning without Sharon on the EP and then Sharon Bennett is maybe on the one you heard on Dungeon Dots. Is that the one you heard?
0: Yeah. 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 I was going to mention that. I, uh, I think Dungeon Dots is the first, um, like album or whatever on your Spotify. So I don't think that original EP is on there.
1: I don't think so either. (laughs) Yeah. I didn't realize that. Um, but I'd like to get it up there.
0: Sure. And you recorded the first one in 2007. Is that correct?
1: Is that what it says? Wow. Yeah. The EPU is 2000. No, the EPU is probably
0: 2008,
1: 2009. Yeah. And then Dungeon Gods came out
0: in 2010, right?
1: Exactly. Yes. Yeah.
0: So 10 years since that album came out, um, I guess what was your mindset and structure going into that album? Um, based on like, you know, what journalists people describe in music as folk country, lo-fi indie rock, um, a description that I did find was kind of interesting is that uh, someone said they described the way that you write about love as a boxing match between two people, which I thought was oh. kind of interesting. <laughs> yeah. um,
1: who, who said that?
0: <laughs> uh, I think it was someone on Pitchfork or one of the review people, that like, okay. do music reviews. Um, I guess what I would wonder is, you know, that album was, you know, about 10 years ago now, mm-hmm. you know, um, sort of what was your mindset going into recording that album and you know what were you know the situations and what was happening in your life when you recorded that
1: um you know I can't remember if I had a partner at the time but uh so it's interesting they say that like um I don't remember having like conflict with anyone I was with or even if I was with someone but I remember recording the actual album because it was a lovely experience. It was in this barn upstate, um, that the guys from the Walkman had, do you know that band? I do. Yeah. Yeah. They're not around anymore, but they, uh, with this guy, Kevin, I think it's McMahon. I, I think I'm pronouncing it right, but they started a barn and it was this beautiful barn with the studio in it. And we just spent a few nights there. And, uh, my intention was just to keep it simple. And, you know, I think still people, like that album the most. And probably cause it's really stripped down and it's, it's pretty like relatable for a lot of people. Like people really relate to lightning and knockout. Um,
0: I was just curious, like, um, you know, when you say you weren't sure if you were with a partner or whatever that song lightning, <laughs> I mean the lyricism of, you know, I want to be the lightning that strikes down your tree and like all that. Um, mm-hmm. I guess like how, what, what, how do you write songs like that? I like the metaphors and the lyricism. I feel like it's so well-written and poetic in a way that I just, you know, as a writer myself and as someone who's, you know, try to write songs, I'm always just curious as to, do they just come to you? Do you, you know, sit down with an idea and try to structure the song around that initial idea?
1: I usually, so that song I know is about a person I was dating and I wrote it about her. And, uh, I was saying that I wanted to kind of be like, lightning strike, striking down your tree like a happy thing and mm. um, even though that, now that I think about it, lightning striking down a tree because it just happened here in New York yesterday uh, we had a hurricane and it causes a lot of panic actually
2: but yeah.
1: <laughs> the way I saw it in my head was like this nice calming thing um, but I don't know how I came up with those lyrics I was playing guitar and I remember playing those two chords over and over and the words just came to my head. I don't put a ton of thought process into the the lyrics, even though they're really meaningful for me. I feel like they just kind of come to me. Um, and usually by playing while I'm playing the guitar, it's pretty rare that I write the lyrics before and then bring them to the guitar. Yeah.
0: Huh. What were your, uh, I guess like early influences as far as songwriting and music is concerned, who are kind of the foundation of who you are as a musician?
1: Definitely Neil Young and Velvet Underground and The Clean. And I think, yeah, going into recording with every album, I really look to Velvet Underground with like the drumming style and Mm. the simplicity. I love Mo Tucker's drumming and I always like, I'm really sensitive to too much drums. When I hear mixes, I'm like, Oh, you know, that cymbal is too much. And so yeah, definitely those three bands were always played a huge role in my songwriting and recording process.
0: Sure. I think it's interesting that you say you were, uh, like almost hypersensitive to like drums and stuff. What I noticed <laughs> about your music, it is, sometimes like very stripped down and simple and right to the point, which I really, really enjoy about it. Has that always been something that you've kind of tried to do? Cause I think with dungeon dots it really does that really well. But then when we get into parting glances, I think you throw more instrumental aspects into it. Is that accurate or am I off?
1: No, you are accurate. Yeah. I wanted to keep progressing with the instrumentation, but try to keep the basic chord structure and lyrics simple. Um, I still like, I don't know how intentional it is, but I still always have like a verse and a chorus and then a verse again. Um, but this album also has more electronic drums, the one I just finished. So I'm curious, you know, how that's perceived, but I also think it's pretty simple. And this album, I listened to a lot of Suicide. Do you know them? Who is it? Suicide.
0: Mm. Uh-huh. I'm not aware.
1: They have uh, they're from the 70s, 80s, and they used a drum machine called Rhythm Prints. So I kind of like got those sounds for this record on a lot of songs.
0: Nice. Yeah. Do you feel like um, I guess as you. Lightning was sort of the single for Dungeon Dots and then Fantasy was Mm kind of your single for Parting Glances. And then 2018, three years later, you did Warrior and Warrior was a single for that as well. I feel like all three of those songs are very different, but also just kind of, um, I don't know, are a good example of the progression as far as like, you know, adding different elements and, you know, the aspect of songwriting that changes. Uh, When you go into, you know, after you're done making the album, how do you pick which songs you decide to make a single and like music videos out of and.
1: I usually ask people, um, for their opinions cause a lot of times what I think should be the single isn't what other people think. And especially for reporting glances and warrior we had uh, I have PR people, so they helped with that. And I think actually for where their first single was blue fire, mm. um, that was like, cause they do like three, same three different songs come out before the album or, um, that's how it was with my last two records actually. And then dungeon dots was interesting because the way press ran during that record was so different than now. Like there was just so much more press in 2010 mm. for musicians. And it was before Instagram and now everything's so like fast that you have like a day where everyone's paying attention to you and then that's it. But in 2010, it was like, we're getting all these write-ups and we're even in magazines now. I don't know. You're not, they don't really put stuff in magazines so much. A lot of magazines have gone under. And so it's just really, really different the way the press campaigns run now.
0: Yeah. Has that changed your structure to like how you... I mean, it has to, right? Like change the way that you market an album or, you know, garner to your audience. Has it made it more, yeah. Do
2: you have
0: to be more hands on than usual?
1: I guess it kind of bums me out because I don't love social media and now we have to really use that in the music world. And now, um, I won't say who, but there's like two special guests on the record. And I feel like without even hearing the songs, like the PR people might be like, you should, you know, do those songs. Hmm. Um, because they have names and I, yeah, it's just like a different world. Now it's people's attention spans are not as strong as they used to be.
0: Sure. What I think is interesting is too, is you, I don't know. I think your music sort of resonates in like more of a independent and DIY, like do it yourself and just, you know, it has those roots and that fundamental aspect to it, which I find, you know, amazing. But I think, you know, the pop bands or whatever that are on the chop charts and stuff like their mm-hmm. mentality going into an album is generally like, Oh cool. What songs going to, you know, be super popular and be on the radio and make a ton of money and stuff like that. Do you feel, you know, that's something that your mindset or your PR or your people are kind of shifting towards like, Hey, you need to make songs that are marketable.
1: I don't know. It's like interesting. Cause I don't know anyone in, my world of music that is thinking that way because I don't know who's making money right now.
2: Mm, <laughs> it's yeah.
1: so hard. Um, I do feel like I've made pretty decent money from t- like having a song in a TV thing.
0: Oh yeah. So nice.
1: that um, like girls use lightning actually, and then this other show, Animal Kingdom, used uh, Warrior, and that's where the money's from, because I think, you know, Spotify is paying pennies,
2: mm-hmm.
1: um, bands can't tour right now. So I don't know. That's an interesting question. It's just like a different approach. I, I think, yeah. I don't know. Yeah. I'm not sure what the mentality is right now, to be honest. Cause it's such like a tough time.
0: Sure. Super unpredictable. Yeah. Like you don't know right, what's going to exactly. happen. Right? Um, yeah. that's interesting. How was, uh, Having, you know, Lena Dunham and girls and all that, what was that light? Like? That must've been a, like an awesome experience, right?
1: Yeah, it was really awesome. Um, it's funny because, do you know the Softy brothers who did Uncut Gems?
0: Yeah, yeah, I know who they are.
1: They had done like a video of me doing lightning, like in... 2010 as well. Wow.
0: That's and it cool.
1: ju- Yeah, it's cool. And like Lena Dunham was the host. And, um, so it's interesting to see like how crazy successful they've all become. And for me, I was like stoked that the song I had already made was something I could get some money from. Right. Um, and it wasn't like a McDonald's commercial. So yeah, it, yeah, it felt good for sure.
0: I think, um, I know. Girls is a really cool show in the sense that it does have that very, you know, similar to an extent of what the music that you make that's, you know, very artistic and, you know, it seems more, I don't know how to explain it, I guess like hipstery to an extent, but hopefully that's not offensive. But I feel, you know, like in Brooklyn and stuff like that, is that sort of like, what's it been like making music there and being a part of that art scene? Has it been, you know, important, vital to how you make music and how you go about your life.
1: I think more in like back when Dungeon Dots came out and even Praying glances, but now that I'm older and, um, a lot of my friends that I used to play music with aren't here anymore or they have families. And, um, so I'm not like too much a part of the music scene here. We'll play a show or two here, but it's usually with someone touring and they ask us to play, um, or we tour. So, I don't know. I'm pretty like disconnected from the New York music scene right now. I don't know who's, I know like earth eater just came out with a single today. I really like her music. Um, and she's been playing a while, but I'm not sure about like the younger stuff happening here to be
0: honest. Yeah. When you talk about, um, I guess like your peers and stuff kind of, you know, going into families and stopping music and stuff like that. Um, how has that impacted your decision in making music? Has it been something that, you know, makes you sometimes step back and go, Oh, is this really what I want to do? And various things like that.
1: There after Dungeon Dots, I stopped playing music for almost five years. Um, I got really depressed about the music industry and there was all this hype about us on Pitchfork and other blogs. And then Uh, The review was really good, but I got like a low number. I got a 6.9 and like something just happened where I didn't want to do it anymore. And I was seeing people move away from the music world. And but then after that, I realized I just I really love it. And to just try to take it as fun and like, you know, maybe I'll make some money here and there. Maybe I won't, but just having more fun with it now um, than I was in the past. But yeah, I still... I'll always play music, even if I have four kids, you know, I want to keep playing. Yeah.
0: Has it been, um, like having to balance having like a job or something while you're playing music? Has that been something that you've had to do to sort of, you know, keep it going or has it been something that you can dedicate, you know, full time to the music?
1: I can do both because my job is flexible. It's part time and I'm able to take off. Um, so I'm really lucky where if we get asked to tour, um, so yeah, when tours come, I take them for sure. Nice. Yeah, I'm lucky.
0: Is that a something you want to continue to do? Just like balance both of them and just, you know, treat it as something that is a sort of part-time thing. Or do you see like, you know, in the future, potentially switching fully to just making music?
1: I don't know. That's a good question. I think if it doesn't make me happy anymore, then I'll stop. But right now, I want to keep having this availability to do it because it is what makes me the happiest playing. So I want to make sure I have that in my life.
0: Sure. I want to talk about, um, sort of, kind of like the song structure the ideas behind your songs. You do have a sense of like, aren't you very vulnerable with your songwriting? You give a good idea of like who you are as a person. Was that difficult Mm to, I guess, do that with your songwriting? Are you pretty like open and extroverted? outside of your music or is that when you're able to actually like give people an inside look on who you are?
1: I think, uh, people think I'm pretty goofy (laughs) and Mm. so they're kind of surprised when they hear how serious my music is actually. Um, so yeah, I definitely like, I think I hide it for the songs. Um, yeah, I, I don't really give myself that much to people. Um, And yeah, the people that like just meet me are a little surprised when they hear the music.
0: Sure. Why do you feel like you're, um, I don't know, is it easier to express yourself as far as like your emotions, whether they're negative or positive in your music as opposed to directly, you know, saying it to a stranger or someone, you know?
2: Yeah,
1: definitely. For sure. Um, I think I sing about some things I might be embarrassed to say, or like some of them are maybe put in a more poetic way. Mm. And yeah, I don't, I I don't think I'd I'd be too shy or nervous to say that to somebody the way I word it in songs.
0: Yeah. Awesome. Well, I guess this year has been obviously really weird with music (laughs) and everything. Um, You said you finished recording your album back right before, you know, lockdown and everything. And you're going to, go ahead and release it soon. Right. And then this year, I'm
1: not, I'm not sure. So actually my contract is up with Western vinyl. So I'm looking for a new label. So even though I'm done, it could, it maybe won't be released for like five months. I have no idea. Mm. Um, the next step is to send it to new labels, try to get a new label.
0: Sure. What do you, I guess, what are your intentions of, do you feel like you would still release it even if you're not able to tour or do anything with it? Or do you want to wait till, I guess there's a little bit more of an opportunity to tour and do different things like that?
1: I don't know. I mean, we don't even know when we're going to be able to tour. That's a tough question. I think I'd have to see what happens with finding a label and take it from there because I'm not sure myself and I see people releasing records and then it seems like they get forgotten about really quickly right now because Mm -hmm. they're not like I'm playing in California or I'm playing it, you know? And so I don't know if releasing it right now is the best idea and it does take me longer than other musicians to release stuff. So I have to think about that.
0: Sure. Why does it uh, take you longer?
1: Uh, I don't know.
0: Just like you choose to do it that way
1: yeah I'm also yeah I'm really picky. I think I get a little obsessive about each song mm. and really like think hard about them,
0: sure um,
2: yeah
0: I think that's interesting how you say about um like people being really into something and then you know the next day they have no idea about it like we do right. live in sort of a fast fashion
2: mm-hmm. world,
0: you know, not even in clothes yeah. but in music in films totally. you know um so how's that played a role in you know your music making and different things. Is that kind of, you know, affected it at all?
1: Uh, yeah, it's frustrating. I mean, for myself as a person, I even miss just like going to record stores and like, you know, when I was younger having like records, I was obsessed with and playing them until they got scratched up. And now it's like, you can listen to half a song on Spotify or whatever, and then skip to the next one. I don't think it's affected my music writing. Um, I still write, you know, two to four minute songs. And, um, but I I was a little more conscious of like, you know, maybe who I was going to have on the record and that helping a little bit. Mm. And I, and yeah, and that felt like they're friends of mine and I'm really excited, but it felt unfortunate that that even has to like be a thing right now. Yeah. I could help with like promoting it.
0: Sure. Yeah. Uh, speaking of people that you've worked with, uh, you mentioned Sh- Sharon earlier. Um, yeah. What was that like to work with Sharon, uh, Van Eaton? Is that how you say Van Etten. it? Van Eaton. Van Etten. Yeah. yeah.
1: Um, she's so great. She's just like such a genuine kind person. And I love every album she makes, especially her last one. It's incredible. Um, but yeah, she did, the she did Waters and Lightning and she just came in and, did the parts on the first take and that was it. And you know, like really professional and yeah, she's so great. And I'm really proud of her that she's doing so well.
0: Sure. Has, um, I guess being a female in the music industry, has it been, what was your perspective on, I guess, going into it? And then as you've been making music, has it, you know, changed in a positive or negative way?
1: Um, again, I, I noticed more with like younger people that there is way more young female musicians than when I started out. So that's great to see. And someone just kind of asked me a similar question the other day. And I was saying that there's something really empowering because I usually play with men, hmm. like being the lead of like uh, with men behind me. Yeah.
2: Um,
1: yeah. And they're, you know, they're great guys and I would like to work with more women and more queer people, but I also like love the guys I work with as well. And I've had good experiences with them. So I'm I'm happy and fortunate.
0: Yeah. Do you ever feel like you might be like, I don't know, pigeonholed to a certain category as being like female or queer or certain type of music that people, you know, categorize you in a certain way that you may not be, you know, super
1: Not so much that, but I get kind of annoyed that people assume like the journalists especially will assume that whatever I put out is gonna sound like what I put out in 2010. Mm. That happens a lot where they'll say, Oh, she's folk, and I'm like, I don't think I'm folk, you know. Um it's more that I don't mind if they mention that I'm queer. I don't like focus on that so much, but um I don't mind it. Sure. Yeah.
0: Do you think that I don't know, going forward with the music that you make, does it ever, I don't know, become something where you want to, I don't know, try to make, you know, other types of like art in a way of like making, directing your own music videos or maybe even starting your own label or, you know, anything like that? Has that ever crossed your mind?
1: Um... Not the label, that sounds like a nightmare, but yeah. I would love to direct a video. Yeah, I've always been interested in film and like creating narratives, so I would love that. Um, actually, one of the videos I'm going to do for this record has have you ever seen Los of Spookies?
0: Yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. Um, I'm friends with Anna who's on the show. And she's going to be on it. So I was hoping me and her can kind of come up with like a plot. So that would be really fun. I would love to do something like that.
0: Yeah. That's awesome. A super, super yeah. cool. I do notice about your yeah. videos, they do have such a cool, like little artistic, you know, twist to it. Do you come up with the ideas? Does someone kind of like come to you with a blueprint idea or whatever? Or what does that process look like in order to create a video for your music?
1: For all the ones we've made, yeah, the director sent me a treatment. The last one for Warrior was pretty like loose. She was just like, "I want to shoot you with horses." Mm-hmm. And I was like, "All right, that sounds cool." And that was a fun day cuz it was pouring rain the whole day. And um yeah, I didn't I didn't have too much direction, so I would love to do that for this though. And I've been going this year to a lot of stand-up comedy before um COVID and got really into like the people doing stand up and i'd love to like work with more than just anna on a video
0: yeah
2: um,
1: make something like fun and funny
0: sure i think that's uh oh, and also
1: um i was gonna say something new that i did try was i wrote a song with do you know Juan waters um no uh he's a he's from uruguay and this was the first time I wrote a song with someone. So that's going to be on the record. And we, like, uh, we wrote the lyrics together. So that sure. was really,
0: not fun. What was that like to, I guess, so you've written all your songs up till right then and then you finally worked with someone. Was that difficult yes. to, I guess, decide to do that or did he approach you and go, Hey, I want to make music with you?
1: No, I've been, we've been wanting, we've been like talking about writing a song together for over 10 years. So he told me he lives in, uh, he's from Uruguay, but was living in Mexico. And he was like, I'm coming to New York. Do you want to try to write something together? Cause he said he was doing an album with where it was all him writing with other people. Hmm. So I was like, that's perfect. I said, you know, I'm finishing a record and you know, so we're both going to put it on our own records and, um, no, we have like a really good rapport and I love his songwriting. So it was actually, it, it went really smoothly.
0: Yeah. Nice. So with, um, I guess the bands that you've worked with, has it been the same band throughout this period of time or have you had different people working with you on different albums and?
1: Uh, no, all really different. Um, this time around, I like hired everyone. So it was no one I even play with really, except Brian Bentonport who mm. plays bass. But, um, my friend Skylar, who's in Fleet Foxes and Beach House, he came in, and so he's on almost all the songs and do you know, Luke temple?
0: Um, no, I know uh, the other guy, I know Fleet Fox and the beach house. They're amazing. Oh, yeah. Yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah. But Luke, uh, you should check him out. He's a wonderful songwriter, but yeah, he came in and helped me out too, with some like production stuff. So this was a, yeah, completely different experience with just working with different people and maybe never playing live with these people that are going to be on the songs.
0: Yeah, oh, That's interesting too. With the other albums, when you recorded with the people, did you tour with them as well? And did you mm-hmm. right on? And then what was the, how come they aren't still doing it? Did they, you decide like, oh, you want different musicians or?
1: Um. Well, Brian I still play with, who's on Party Lances. He plays bass. Um, and I don't know, just like life stuff. Some people moved away. Like the drummer at the time moved away. And a lot of times in New York, I'm sure this is true anywhere, but a lot of musicians are in like 10 million bands. Mm -hmm. And so, um, you know, if I couldn't provide for them to be constantly touring, they had to do other stuff and then I would just meet other people. But I also enjoy since they're my songs, like trying it with different people to see what it'll sound like. Um, like last year I met Ethan who plays on the record and, Um, we just both really bonded like as friends and musically. So I was, you know, I'm so happy that I met him because he adds so much to the record.
0: Nice. Um, Yeah. What is, uh, I guess, what do you look for in someone that you want to work with as far as like, you know, that you have to have a certain amount of trust, I would imagine. And, you know, a similar taste and style in the music that you make is it difficult to find people to make that music with you or is it, you know, you just kind of connect with someone and build from there?
1: Um, I've been really lucky. Yeah. I've met people where I've connected, um, pretty quickly. I feel like if there's not a connection, we both just kind of will say so, um, which has happened. But for the most part, I've been here long enough where I'll have a friend be like, Oh, you should meet this person. And, you know, they know that it'll be a good match and it's kind of like dating or something. Um, but yeah, like I, I've been around some of my bandmates more than I've been around anyone I've ever dated. Yeah. So you have to also get along with them on another level besides musically.
0: Sure. Yeah. Is it, um, I guess outside of music, is it hard to, I don't know, is your day-to-day life centered around music as well? Or is it easy to separate the two and kind of just, you know, be able to decompress and get away from it if you really want to?
1: Um, I listen to music constantly, but I'm not making music constantly. But I almost always, I feel like kind of negative from not walking around listening to music. Mm. So um, it is a huge part of my life. It's really therapeutic for me. And, but I go you know sometimes weeks without picking up the guitar, um, yeah.
0: Right. Has uh, I guess growing up, do were you constantly surrounded by music, or your you know parents playing a ton of music? Was that just kind of the foundation of who you were as a child growing up?
1: I wasn't. It was weird. My sister was like a metalhead. She's ten years older than me, and my parents barely listen to music. And when my sister tells me that since I was like four, I was always singing constantly. So I don't know where I picked it up, but I was always obsessed with music and people in high school would point out that I was obsessed with music and I would put a record on and just like listen to it, you know, hundreds of times. And I'm still that way.
0: Nice. Is there are you influenced by like films and certain art as well? Are there certain like staples that you, you said velvet underground is one of your you know biggest influences. Um, Mm -hmm. is there like a film or something that represents kind of the music or the foundation of who you are? Is it generally just kind of music that you build off of?
1: No, I love movies. Um, I used to work at film forum. I don't know if you're familiar with it, but it's like an old theater in New York. So I would see like two or three movies a week. Um, I just saw this really cool movie. I'm going to say it wrong because it's French, but Lost Ceremony, which is the ceremony um, that was inspiring. And I love Wim Wenders' movies um, like Paris, Texas. And the scenery of his films definitely inspires me. And the painter Alice Neel. Um, sometimes when I'm writing about people, it's not always people I, I know. And I have a new song about this person dressed in all blue with cowboy boots and I was referencing one of her paintings. Hmm. So yeah, definitely, uh, art and film play a big role for me.
0: Definitely. Has, uh, I don't know. Have you ever considered like thinking about, I don't know, the future of music as a whole. Do you ever think that you, I don't know, like you're, future generations and stuff. Do you feel like the music is going to change to an extent where the type of music that you make now or the foundation of what you loved growing up, like the Velvet Underground and different things like that. Are you ever afraid that everything's going to become so digital and poppy and you know, the foundation of music as far as like folk and rock and blues Mm -hmm. and different things like that might go away. And in the future, kids are just going to listen to like robots and stuff.
1: I don't think so. Cause I think it would have happened already if that was going to happen. And um, you can't replace like the feeling from playing like an actual instrument. So I think as long as teachers and parents encourage that, I don't see that happening. Hmm. Um, I think, you know, I'm hoping it's not true, but I think the attention span might keep getting worse. So, um, but I think kids will always relate to instruments and luckily like most kids under, 11 don't have access to like a phone yet. So, and that's when a lot of kids start playing music. So hopefully that continues.
0: Yeah. Do you think that, I guess for, I don't know the music that you make, does it ever translate over and you hear like responses from people? And what was that first, like after making, I guess, you know, your first EP and getting the reception Mm -hmm. that you received, was it, it had to have been encouraging, right? Because you continue to make music. It wasn't something that was negative or anything.
1: It was encouraging. Yeah. It's, it sucks that I put like so much weight onto pitchfork because at the time I was like really, um, upset about that. They were like such a big deal back then. And, um, but hearing like other reviews and what people were saying, yeah, it it was amazing. And just even like, you know, I have a blurb in the New Yorker and stuff like that just feels kind of surreal. And the fact that people are listening or, um, and the, you know, your message the other day was really uplifting for me. Cause I wasn't sure how this record would be perceived and hearing that it helped you was, you know, I, I really appreciated you reaching out. Uh,
0: yeah, of course. I mean, I think, um, that song really did have a huge impact on me. And I remember it being something that I would like constantly play and I would play it for other people and they'd all be like, wow, it's super good. And, um, I don't know. I like got a genuine joy out of other people being stoked on it. Cause then I was like, Oh cool. Like go share it with more people. This song's amazing, you know? And, um,
1: Are you talking about lightning? Is that the one?
0: Lightning's the one that I initially got like super hooked on. And then I, I mean, listened to that whole album and literally like most, if not all your music, um, Which I think, yeah, is, I heard someone talking about like reviewers or people that give reviews or whatever. It's like, Mm -hmm. you know, they might be doing a review for three albums or four albums in a day and the band or the musician that made that album spent, you know, who knows how long, a year, two years, three years writing this song or writing this album and putting their heart and soul into it. And then some guy who's making... Um, like three album reviews and it was like skimming through it and just gives like a bad review and just mm-hmm. like the impact that it has is so heavy, you know, but
1: yeah, it can affect someone's career and it's crazy.
0: Yeah. yeah. I think for me, like, I don't know, it sort of gives like power to people to an extent, but also, I don't know. I want it to be known that, you know, there's still, like the people and the fans and people that enjoy your music, you know, reaching out and being like, Oh, you know, whatever, like screw Pitchfork or whatever, you know, like that review (laughs) is dumb, you know, like they don't know what they're talking about.
1: Some of my favorite records ever have gotten way, way worse reviews than I've gotten on there. So, you know, I take that into account and yeah, I don't know how much weight they have anymore.
0: I think Pitchfork. Yeah, I think they've definitely lost a little bit of that momentum. But it it isn't even in music anymore. It's like you know people don't go to movies unless it gives a you know eighty percent rating on Rotten Tomatoes, and it's like that totally. is suddenly yeah. become the foundation of how we look at art and stuff. And for me, honestly, know. like I. I, my favorite movies are the ones that get 3% on Rotten Tomatoes, you know, and <laughs> 2.3 on Pitchfork is like, dude, that was my greatest favorite album ever, you know, like, yeah. I don't. so almost to an extent, yeah. I take pride in like liking movies that, you know, Hey, you know what? The big reviewers of Hollywood didn't like this movie, but I did. And it was made for me. I'm the demographic, not them. Totally. You know?
1: Yeah. Um, one of my favorite albums ever is by, do you know Annika? She's German.
0: Yeah. I've heard of her.
1: Yeah. And, um, yeah, she got like a five on there or something. I had, I had reached out to her to sing on something and yeah, she's like the nicest person. And I was always listening to that record. And it's just like, how, how do you not see like the beauty in this album? But yeah, I don't know.
0: <laughs> I think like, I don't know. I mean, it's sort of like hard to rate something that's so subjective right? Like, I mean, music and art in general is very subjective and Mm -hmm. I think to have one opinion about something is very difficult, but you know, besides that, when you make your music, do you ever have like a certain demographic or a group of people that you are like, oh, this album is made for this type of person?
2: Um,
1: no, I hope it like, I hope a lot of people can relate to it. You know, it'd be awesome if like the queer community took to it. And, um, I think of like younger people, especially like girls that are teenagers that want to make music. I hope it appeals to them. Um, yeah, I don't know. I try to think of what I'm doing and like why I'm producing it more than who it's going to appeal to. Mm because I think that can really like trap you
0: a hundred percent. Yeah. Yeah. I think i found that as a difficult too, is when I, I think, you know, and I definitely probably am not alone, but a lot of people that make art, you know, when they go into it, they sort of think about how it's going to be perceived or how people are going to look at it. And I think if you approach it that way, you generally don't make a product that you're a hundred percent proud of, or you put your heart and soul into it. Right. Um,
1: Cause then it's like a commercial or something.
0: Right. Or you're trying to like yeah. appeal to everyone or whatever, you know, Mm -hmm. Um, what is your advice for, I guess, you know, changing that mentality or having an approach where you don't really, I don't know, I guess tune that out or block it out or not focus on it.
1: Hmm. (laughs) I would say maybe like while you're making the record, try to go off social media for a few months or something. And, uh, just like try not to be influenced by any, or anyone and just do what is giving you like relief with emotional or whatever kind of relief because I think music is really important for you know expressing emotions you can't always express so just you know do that for you and if it's not feeling like it's for you I don't think it's worth it really yeah um yeah
0: do you feel like um I don't know, what would be your, I guess you've given good advice for people, but if someone wanted to, I don't know, start making music right now, you know, like everyone has a ton of free time mm-hmm. and whatever, you know, it's like people aren't working or doing anything and right now is the perfect time to either create art or, you know, enjoy art or embrace art. Do you have any advice for someone who may be listening and is, you know, inspired and stoked by your story and your energy and wants to go make something, what would be your like advice for them?
1: Um, Well, actually when I teach kids, I have them for songwriting, I have them come up with, we'll like have a topic, like it could be Christmas or summer. And then they'll write down a bunch of words that they think of when they think of Christmas or summer or the post office, and then they will make a song um, pretty quickly. So I would suggest to someone who wants to write a song to do something like that, maybe think of a person or a place, and just write down words. And then if they're feeling uncomfortable playing an instrument, um, I know a lot of people get frustrated trying the guitar or piano or whatever, um, garage band on your phone or computer is super simple to use. And I think most people would have fun using it and they could take those words and probably write a cool song.
0: Yeah. That's cool. Um, I'd love to learn more about, I guess you working with, children and how that started and, you know, how that has, that must be a a rewarding experience I would imagine. And, you know, has that played a role in not only the music you make, but just your approach to life?
1: Um, I really love kids. So I think being around them, uh, just like helps with my general happiness and knowing that I'm helping them with a trade that they like, uh, feels good. But, um, I, yeah, I've been bummed out because I haven't been able to see them since March, mm. March 13th was the last day I saw them. So I miss seeing kids a lot and I wasn't doing zoom stuff till June. Um, cause one of the places I work at is a shelter, so I can't go in there at all. And then I started doing zoom with some of the kids I teach privately, um, Yeah. It's awesome. You know, I remember being young and wanting to learn my favorite song on the guitar and then my teacher teaching me the song. So if I can give them that, it it feels great for both of us. Yeah. And Yeah.
0: That's really powerful. Has there been any, I guess, um, I don't know. Do you have a story of an experience or I guess a child or someone that you, um, remember and having like a big impact and you, sort of solidifying like, Oh, this is amazing. And I love doing this. And this is the reason why I do what I do.
1: Uh, Yeah. Just all the kids that have come into the shelter. I, a lot of them when I could tell they're really gifted, I write letters to certain high schools like LaGuardia is an arts school here. So seeing those kids being able to flourish and I can help them with that. Um, is super fulfilling. So that's like the best experiences I have. Um, and definitely those kids more than my private lessons because so they're taking a break with me while their parents are trying to find housing, usually Mm -hmm. the moms. Um, so knowing that they're not having stress for like, you know, an hour, however long my classes is is, feels great. And yeah. I think um, I've had some like five year olds who are like kick ass on the drums and it's pretty incredible to watch.
0: So, yeah. When you, uh, earlier you were saying like, it's sort of depressing to look at like the music industry and different things like that. Um, is on the, I guess on the flip side, is it encouraging and positive to see like these kids that might be the future of music and, you know how stoked they are and how talented they are and you know helping them with their journey and presenting them with more opportunities and potentially you know improving the music scene yeah. and the music industry and kind of uh encouraging the future of what we are all going to
1: Yeah for sure and especially like during the black Black Lives Matter movement that's happening now, or it's been happening, but that is getting more attention now. You know, people are promoting more Black artists and more queer artists and trans artists. And so I think hopefully things will start to change, even with adults that are in the music industry, I'm hoping. And I think labels are recognizing more that they need to make the labels more diverse and yeah I think you know a lot of the kids I teach come from low income housing and if they can keep playing music and then they'll definitely make an impact on on the music world for sure,
0: yeah, that's yeah. super awesome and really really important um that's really really cool as we uh i guess sort of wrap up um you said you have a new album coming out. I don't know if you're able to talk too much about it or if you um I guess just how people can find you and if you want to talk about your album, if you can, or whatever you can say about it.
1: Sure. Um, I think what to say about it. Um, two of the songs are kind of like super dancey and I was debating whether to put them on or not, cause they're a little bit out of place, but I'm going to keep them on. So, um, that'll be interesting to see how people react and, what else about it um i think it's my best album that's the one i'm happiest with but um I, and i hope people like it and i put a lot of time into this one and yeah i just i i like the production and um i don't know too much what to say about it hmm. but i'm happy with it yeah. Um,
0: yeah. <laughs> oh, that's cool. Well, we don't, yeah. you don't have a date quite yet, so we don't know quite when it no. will come out. Um, but sort of, I mean, you do have albums on Spotify, Dungeon Dogs, mm-hmm. which we talked about, um, and then Parting Glances and Warrior. Um, oh yeah. And I
1: would suggest to, if anybody wants to buy it, definitely go to Bandcamp instead of Spotify.
0: Bandcamp. Um, yeah.
1: Yeah. Just cause we get most of the money over Spotify. I don't know if I've
2: ever
0: seen any money from Spotify. So Yeah. That's good to know too. Yeah. I mean, I think, you know, Spotify might become like the (laughs) forefront of whatever people are listening to, but it also, yeah, I don't know. How do you feel about, I guess, everything being streaming now and physical albums and stuff kind of falling off? Is that, I guess, bummed you out a little bit?
1: Yeah. But you know, when I tour Europe, actually people, especially in Germany, they love CDs still. So when we go out there, people are still like stoked on vinyl and CDs. Um, So I, I don't know if this is true, but it feels like really more of an American thing where streaming is the number one source, but I might be wrong about that. But I do notice that like when we tour overseas, we're still selling albums, like physical copies. But yeah, the streaming thing sucks. Nobody likes it. That plays music. It's you're getting pennies and it makes people skip songs faster. And, um, yeah, I don't think any musician is stoked on streaming.
0: Sure. Yeah. Yeah. It's unfortunate because like everything's becoming that way, right? Like streaming movies, streaming all this stuff. And it's like the actual, I don't know. I even related to like money, like everything's on like credit cards now instead of cash. <laughs> or the we, Apple pay. Yeah. yeah. We lose <laughs> like the meaning of what money is. We lose like the meaning and the hard work of like an album. You know, you don't listen to totally. it front to back and switch it around and like actually enjoy it. And I think like mm-hmm. even things like concept albums, like, you know, Dark Side of the Moon or whatever, like those type of albums aren't going to, you know, it's hard to think like something like that will happen where a band is going to try to make something that you listen to from track one to track, you know, 15 or whatever. And it tells a story and it takes you somewhere. And, you know, it is kind of sad that that is sort of what's becoming, but I guess it does tie into a generation of people that want everything at their fingertips and they want it Mm -hmm. immediately. And they want, you know, they don't want to wait, which is weird.
2: It is.
1: Yeah. It's sad. I know. I wonder like, yeah, who listens to a whole album now? It's pretty rare. Mm-hmm. And that's sad because it takes the artist so long to come up with the song order and it could tell a story the way the order of it. And yeah.
0: It's unfortunate. But I think, I mean, artists like you and, you know, artists that are, you know, leading the charge and like bringing back something that is positive. And I think for me as a listener, I 100% appreciate that more than, you know, just skipping through songs or making a playlist or whatever. I enjoy listening to an album because that's the foundation of how I listen to music. You know, when I was like 10 Mm -hmm. years old or whatever, listening to an album front to back and just being, you know, mesmerized by like the story and the compilation of it and fully understanding, you know, what went into it, even like the little like jackets in the inside that have like pictures and lyrics and stuff. Like that was my favorite thing ever. And yeah, same. that's all gone now. I know.
1: Yeah. (laughs) But maybe that'll come back. Maybe people will miss that.
0: Yeah. Well, it is kind of (laughs) encouraging to see that people are listening to like records now and vinyl is making Mm -hmm. somewhat of a resurgence and people are starting to appreciate that, you know, and like, you know, even things like, film cameras are you know getting popular and vintage clothing and stuff so i'm hoping that that's going to become something where you know it's almost cooler to have a cd and a vinyl than listening to it on spotify like there's going to be like a stigma attached to it you know you're like oh dude you listen to spotify like that's not cool
1: (laughs) right yeah you're canceled yeah exactly
0: (laughs) anyway well thank you Once again, I, Oh, thanks so much. It was an absolute pleasure. Um,
1: likewise.
0: So Bandcamp. what is the link that people can come and listen to your music, buy your album, support your music?
1: I don't know the link, but the airwaves is two words. So I'm sure if they look that up, it would pop up. I think it's slash airwaves.com, but I'm not positive. So probably better to just search the name.
0: Got it. Um, So I believe it's just airwaves.bandcamp.com. I think I just found it. I think so. Did you find it? Um, Okay. Oh yeah. I could have looked too. Sorry. Oh no, you're fine. So (laughs) airwaves.bandcamp.com. That's where you find the albums and you can purchase uh, your music and um, Instagram is under, do you want people to follow you on social media or no?
1: Sure. It's uh, airwaves and there's like two underscores after air. And then yeah, I have a Facebook page as well. That's airwaves.
0: Awesome, Cool. Well, yeah. uh, thanks again. I appreciate you sitting down and talking to me.
1: Yeah, thanks so much for having me. It was nice chatting.
0: Thank you for tuning in to another episode of The Double Life. As always, make sure to follow Airwaves at air double underscore waves. And head to Bandcamp. Buy some albums and check out some very, very well done music. You can follow us at the double life pod And we're going to play you out with the song Home off the album Warrior. Adios.